Welcome to the Morning Quiet Time Podcast. I am your host, Mackenzie, and I'm so thrilled that you have decided to listen to this podcast that is dedicated to slow mornings, intentional living, and romanticizing your life. So thank you for joining me, and I hope you grab a cup of coffee or a warm cup of tea and enjoy the pod. Hello, everybody. I hope you guys are having a great week. And if you did not already listen to the first podcast episode from Morning Quiet Time, I suggest you go back because I'd love to hear how your first challenge was with MQT. Um, In last week's episode, we talked about making and prioritizing time every day, um, every morning for however long you can, whether it was 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and putting into place a morning quiet time routine. And so I'd love to hear from you how that went and if that was a struggle, if there were days that went well, days that were different, if you started thinking about things a little bit differently. I actually was talking to my dad about it and he mentioned that he has decided, well, he's decided to think about, he hasn't made the decision, but he has decided to think about changing his breakfast routine. So Thanks, Dad, for listening, and I hope you start making some scrambled eggs and um, not just Pop-Tarts. I'm telling you, it is a meditative thing to do to, to cook yourself a meal and to start your day off that way. But today, I wanted to talk a little bit about self-care and the self-care movement. Um, As you know, this podcast is dedicated to slow mornings, intentional living, and romanticizing your life. And obviously, I am a fan of all those things. And some might say that some of that is self-care. And so I wanted to address this topic really early on in this podcast because I think oftentimes self-care can... um, easily fall into idolatry. Um, And that's speaking from personal experience. So I'd like to talk a little bit about self-care without idolatry, which seems counterintuitive, right? If you're talking about yourself and caring for yourself and putting yourself at the center, how can you practice self-care without having some form of idolatry in there? So let's get into it. Um, And I figured we could start by discussing a little bit about what popular culture says about self-care. Now, um, I'm obviously a woman in my 30s here in the United States, and depending on you, your age, where you're living, um, what your gender is, you might have a different experience with this. But as a 30-something woman here in the U.S., I feel like self-care is a huge booming um, industry. Let's be real. It's an industry. It's probably a multi-billion dollar industry. I did not look it up. But um, a huge industry here um, that is really targeting women my age and is huge on Instagram for sure. Um, self-care is also tends to be a very aesthetic thing to video and showcase in your own life and other people find watching that sort of content uh, relaxing as well. I know that I do. I can, I'm easily suckered into watching videos on other people's self-care routines and other people's morning routines. Um, I find it intriguing. I find it um, 
interesting. I find it motivating for myself to see other people doing something that I want to do. I find it almost like a breath of fresh air to watch that kind of content. Um, And I know that other people feel the same way, which to me also indicates that pretty soon we're going to be moving past that movement because as soon as a lot of people get on one bandwagon, then we move on to something else. But for the moment, self-care seems to be a pretty um, popular movement among people my age um, and demographic. And so for me, when I'm thinking about self-care and what the popular culture is really saying about that, I think there's a few common mottos I hear all the time or hashtags that you might see. and ones that I have used and said myself, uh, things like treat yourself, things like you deserve it. Um, and my favorite, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And this has come up a lot too, when you see celebrity documentaries, um, There's a particular celebrity that I have in my mind who will remain nameless, but who frequently talks about self-care and produces a documentary about themselves every uh, couple of years. And I feel like this phrase really encapsulates this sort of documentary where you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Um, And so I think those are real common expressions that have been deeply rooted in our beliefs right now, our beliefs about what it means to take care of yourself. In terms of activities, this could really span the gamut of different things. So it could be meditation. It could be affirmations. Affirmations are also huge in the self-care community. Um, Simple as saying that you need me time, um, more luxurious things like baths and massages and face masks and getting your hair done, getting your nails done. It could be uh, physical movement like going for walks. I personally love going for a morning walk. Um, any other kind of exercising. It could be shopping and buying yourself something that you you deserve. You totally deserve this. Um, it really could take the the shape of so many different things and so many that I did not um, mention, but really the central goal of self-care, if we're looking at um, what the popular culture says about it, is that it's about prioritizing oneself and your well-being, whether that's mental health, physical health, um, spiritual health, emotional health. Um, It's really about prioritizing yourself in your own well-being. And part of that is to unwind a little bit. Uh, And, you know, here in American work culture, we are a hustle culture. And so it's understandable that people would want to unwind. And oftentimes in a lot of our professions, um, since our professions are taking over so much of our time and mental space, you can see why people would want to prioritize themselves and their own well-being if the majority of their time is spent, you know, if we're talking about the workplace, reaching these professional goals for a company. So it makes sense that this would be kind of the reaction to this hustle mindset. And on top of that, you also have in in my demographic, the need to have a side hustle and the need to be, (laughs) this uh, phrase still cracks me up because I used to use it, but the need to be a boss babe, uh, the need to have 
multiple streams of income coming in, the need to have residual income, the need to always be on track for the next thing. Um, And so if that is your perspective in life, if you are hustling at work, hustling outside of work to make sure you have other side hustles, if you're hustling to make your dreams happen, which is what we are told that we need to do, it makes sense that you would want to then prioritize yourself and prioritize your well-being. And the question, part of the question that I have when I'm thinking about this is to what end? So to what end, what is the goal for prioritizing oneself and one's well-being? Oftentimes I feel like it is to be a better, things that you will hear people say, to be a better parent to your children to be a better spouse to your husband or wife, to be a better friend, to be a better employee, or people frequently say to be a better person. You know, maybe you've been struggling with, you know, biting people's heads off or being judgmental or being snippy, um, focusing on yourself and prioritizing self-care with the goal of being a better person and having better, more controlled reactions and situations that make you uncomfortable or situations that irk you. And these things are not inherently bad. These goals are actually really great. And these different activities that I mentioned just a little bit ago, these are beautiful moments that God has graced us with um, the ability for us to participate in. And depending on what it is, sometimes even indulge in, right? We have chocolate for a reason. There's nothing wrong with indulging in a piece of chocolate cake. Um However, I think that these activities in and of themselves, well, I don't think I know, um, (laughs) they're not able to transform our hearts and our minds. And sadly, I think the practice of self-care alone can become an idol in our lives. And so I can just give you a little tidbit about myself. Um, Someone who I know once told me that I was the queen of self-care. And that comment was meant to be incredibly kind. And I think it was kind, but it was something that really took me aback because I thought to myself, okay, let's, let's reflect on that a little bit. What does that mean that I'm the queen of self-care? And is that a label that I'm comfortable with having? Is the self-care that I'm participating in and showing to people, right? Because you might be doing self-care in multiple ways, but only um, showing it to the world or your friends, just a small portion of it. Is that self-care that I'm practicing what I think godly self-care looks like? Are my self-care habits reflecting biblical truths? Um, So hearing this was really a moment for me to take back, take a step back and say, okay, is this what I want my self-care to look like? Is this what I think is biblical in moving forward? So with that in mind, I was thinking about, did Jesus practice self-care? And if he did, how so? And I've come to the conclusion And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Um, There are many different ways that Jesus did, in fact, practice self-care, but not in the way that we have come to think of self-care now. 
There are a few of the practices that he took part in that I think have a close relation to our modern day thinking of self-care that are a little bit more easily replicable in our lives. Um, And there are some that are hard for us to do, or I can speak for myself, hard for me to do. So let's um, get into the different ways that I think that Jesus did in fact practice self-care. I think the first and foremost is prayer. He participated in prayer as something that was healthy for himself and healthy for his relationship with God. Because where we think of self-care in the modern sense as focusing first and foremost on yourself as the most important thing, Jesus was looking at God being the most important thing in his relationship with the Father being the most important thing. So in order to take care of self in that way, in a spiritual way, something that he relied on and was foundational to his own relationship with the Father and to his ministry was consistent prayer. And I am going to read a few scriptures to you that you can go, I'm going to put the scriptures in the show notes as well. um, So you can go back to them. And as I have said previously, read in context, but just a couple of examples of this. Luke 5, 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark 135, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 9:18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? So you see this over and over. I mean, these are just three verses out of the Gospels. Um that Jesus focused on praying as something that was healthy for his spiritual relationship and healthy for his purpose here on earth. He also, you would have heard this in some of the scriptures that I was just talking, that I just mentioned, he also focused on quiet time and downtime. So in that scripture, uh, both of those, Luke 5, 16 and Mark 1, 35, they talk about him going to desolate places where he was alone, uh, waking up very early in the morning and doing it by himself in a desolate place. Um, so while he had this community of the 12 disciples and his three closest with him, he prioritized um, having this time alone to pray and to reflect. Mark 6:31 said, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Um, and so here you see Jesus telling his disciples that they need to go by themselves and be in a desolate place. Um, so not only did he do it as a model for us, he also instructed his followers to do this as well. Have this quiet time and this downtime. In Mark 6, 45 through 47, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. So here you see Jesus um, instructing the disciples to go and be by themselves so that he could also go and be by them himself so that he could spend time in prayer and also to rejuvenate after that sort of intense um, experience of being with thousands of people. 
So for me, when I see these two uh, practices of prayer and making sure to prioritize quiet time and downtime, those two things are kind of easy for me because um, I've always been a prayer and I've always looked up to my grandmother who was a prayer warrior um, as something that I wanted to be. So that, that I wouldn't say it comes naturally to me, but that is something that I naturally am inclined to. Um, and I'm also a homebody and I like being alone. <laughs> So quiet time and downtime is not a challenge for me, um, but I would say that quiet time and downtime, um, when I'm reflecting and praying and uh, intentionally spending time with God, that that is not always the first thought. You know, sometimes quiet time and downtime for me means watching TV. <laughs> so making sure to, that I have that time where I'm focusing on my relationship with God. A few other things that Jesus did, and this is not an exhaustive list at all by any means. So keep that in mind. Um, But these are a few things that I find challenging for myself. Um, So the first is internalizing scripture. So um, let me just read you a couple of these scriptures. Luke 2, 46, after three days, they found, they meaning Mary and Joseph, found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So he was internalizing the word of God um, and engaging with it with spiritual leaders as just a young child. Matthew 4, 1 through 2 said, and this was before he started his ministry, after he had been baptized, um, and before, just as he's heading out into the desert um, to really prepare himself spiritually, mentally, emotionally for his time in ministry. It says that then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so here you see that he had prepared himself by internalizing scriptures so that when he was tempted, he rebuked by, by quoting what the word said back to Satan. So for me, memorizing scripture has always been a bit of a challenge to me because that takes an extra brain effort. Um, But you see that Jesus does this as a way to care for himself and to prioritize his relationship with God the Father um, so that he can make sure he's living in his purpose and that he can make sure that he is prepared for all that is to come before him, in this case, right before he starts his ministry. Um, the word also says that loving others is a priority in caring for our relationship, our spiritual relationship with God. So Matthew 22, 37 through nine says, and he said, and he being Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself because Jesus knows how much we love ourselves. (laughs) And so it is just as important to love other people. And I think so often when we talk about self-care, we are prioritizing ourselves first and foremost. And Jesus says, no, you need to prioritize and love other people. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And that um, that kind of love is something perhaps we can talk about on a different episode, but that is a sacrificial love. That is um, an incredibly kind and gracious and humble love. That is a, a love where you are serving others. That is a unconditional love. 
Um, and so loving others is essential to caring for ourself and ourself as a relationship with God and prioritizing ourselves relationship with God. I know that kind of sounds bizarre um, because when you're thinking about self-care, you're thinking about yourself only um, in our modern day reflection on what that term means. But if we look at scripture and we look at what Jesus did, he was loving other people, loving God first, loving other people. It wasn't about him. Um, And then the third thing that I find very challenging to do, and sadly, I have to report that I have never successfully done this for any significant period of time, but is fasting. So Matthew 4, 1 through 2, I read this before, but um, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So he prepared himself for what was to come by fasting. So what's interesting when we look back at these practices that Jesus had to to take care of himself and um, all of his various states, right? His uh, mental state, emotional state, spiritual state, physical state, prayer, quiet time and downtime, internalizing scripture, loving others, and fasting. What's interesting is that all of Jesus's form of quote-unquote self-care are not things that we would naturally think of as easy or relaxing or pleasing, but these were practices that took care of his spirit in his spirit's relationship with God the Father. Practices that drew him closer to the Father, practices that prepared him for trials to come. So what was his overall aim of taking care of himself? His overall aim was to be in the right space physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally for honoring God, pointing people to the Father, and for saving souls. Now, of course, we are not Jesus. We're not here to save souls, but we are here to honor God and we are here to point people to the Father and to point people to Christ. So, um, To go back to what I had mentioned at the very beginning, I I truly believe that all of these common day practices for self-care, I don't think any of them are inherently bad. I think they're great things that we can take part in, but these are not things that are going to transform our lives. Um, And I think that so often the practice of self-care can become a little bit idolatrous. And I have struggled myself with making a practice a holy part of my day. So, or even an obsession. So for example, turning on the tea kettle and warming up a pot of tea is something that I absolutely love doing, but I don't want that to become something I must do in order to X, Y, Z. I don't want to um, only you know, go and volunteer and serve others after I've had my morning tea. That seems a little silly to me. I don't want that routine or practice to become something that consumes me um, and takes up a lot of mental and emotional space. So in a world that we live in that's currently prioritizing taking care of yourself above all else, I think it's easy to idolize self-care practices. So where does that leave us and where does that leave me? I think it's about a continued reflection and inspection of ourselves and why we're doing what we're doing. 
So just a couple of questions that I'll leave you with um, for you to reflect on on your own um, and that I'm going to reflect on as well is the first one, what is my goal out of self-care? Why am I doing it and what am I trying to get out of it? The second one is do my self-care practices take up space in my heart and mind? And the third one is, do my self-care practices impact or go against God's greatest commandment? So I hope that this has been um, thought-provoking. If you agree or disagree or have other thoughts, please let me know. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear from you. As always, you can follow me at Morning Quiet Time on Instagram. And I will also link some great um, blog posts that had some other different perspectives on biblical self-care um, that you guys can check out. And I hope, I hope this has been helpful and have a wonderful week and we will catch up again soon. Ciao.